Have you seen this? Then you already know there's no big red dog. And this is why I didn't see this movie. Apparently there are several more other good reasons. I have a little red dog. Yeah, I know, and he sucks. Welcome to Have You Seen This? If you've seen this movie, then you already know it has no big red dog, which is why I didn't see it. Apparently there are several more reasons. Welcome to Have You Seen This? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Look, Jen, I'm sorry about that. So the reason that... (laughs) (laughs) So I saw the name Clifford, and as a child at the time, I only knew the big red dog. And I'm like, oh, is this like an unfaithful adaptation? Like how sometimes, you know, they'll get like the IP for something, and then they'll just like go off the rails with it because the poster has a doghouse on it. And I'm like, where's the fucking big red dog? But no, it's... All the posters for this movie are wretched. Yeah, well, it was the 90s. It was the time for that. But yeah, that's that was the only reason that I didn't see Clifford. And apparently I missed out on just a, a harrowing laugh riot of a movie. <laughs> this is an odd one. I believe in Germany it is called... Clifford, das kleine Schüssel. Oh, he's a he's a pretty big big Schlüssel, if you ask me. <laughs> um, which I think means uh, the little monster. Yeah, okay. Which is uh, fitting. Putting, maybe putting too fine a point on it, but you know, mm-hmm. this is a weird one, and the reason that we're covering it is because apparently it has a massive cult following, including respectable Hollywood heavy hitters. Yeah, I mean, like Nancy Meyer, Nicolas Cage. Right. I Nicolas Cage once complimented Martin Short on a flight, like went up to him was like, "You, you're a genius," <laughs> because of the scene where uh, Clifford acts out uh, Charles Grodin's character drinking the Tabasco sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a very uh, sort of vaudeville um, <clears throat> demeanor in this. Um, Big theater kid energy. Yeah, ooh. And whether you're on board with that or not, I think really determines whether uh, you're going to enjoy this movie or not. I I brought it up because a uh, a friend of mine who I game with, like I mentioned the podcast, and she's like, oh, you have to do Clifford. Because <laughs> apparently she loves that movie. And uh, yeah, when I, they're, and when they, I see her again, Legion. yeah, when I see her again, I'm going to have to ask her why. To put this in context, me watching it now, and it could be like a lot of movies where you see it at the time and you're just at the age. Like if if you sat, you know, an adult, one of us down to watch like Space Goes Coast to Coast, you'd be like, I get it, but I'm not laughing <sighs> or something like that. Because there are a, a variety of comedies like this, like huge disasters, flops, movies that like comedians comedians love to name two there's uh you know there, uh, f- there's a friend of the show who is a uh talented and prolific comedy writer and his favorite movie is dirty work dirty work is not a good movie but <laughs> you just pissed off 
so many people who love right. Norm Macdonald. Right. No, I didn't. I'm not saying Norm Macdonald isn't funny because all of our listeners, whether they know it or not, are like quoting have like they have like three Norm Macdonald quotes that they'll just like bandy about without even realizing it. Like there's there's some things that like he has put out into like the comedic ether that no one else would have done. And like they became a thing now. Adolf Hitler, what a jerk, like for one. But like <laughs> you say that quite frequently, as I recall. Right. Yeah. It's it's one <laughs> of those things like how, you know, Patton Oswalt's failure pile in a sadness bowl like dictated you know, pop culture critiques throughout like the the 2000s. For better or for worse. Yeah, it's one of those things that whether you know it or not, it is be it is highly influential regardless of yeah, how successful it is in maybe broader pop culture. So bringing up dirty work as I do, like that that movie didn't hit with me. Like I get why people like it, but I'm like, it's it's not a good movie. I mean, it's no hot to trot. It is no. And yeah, like you can understand if you describe it in hot to trot terms. But moving on to to another um a beloved cult flop, Cabin Boy. There's another one. Oh, I love Cabin Boy. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying. Like, some of them some of them hit and some of them don't. And I think for us, it's Cabin Boy. You know, for you know other friends of the show, it might be dirty work. And certainly for for Clifford, it has its it has its fans. Which well, it just makes it even all the more inscrutable. It's um it's apt that you bring up Cabin Boy because that was a movie which, like this one, just kind of dropped like a turd in a punch bowl when right. it was released. <laughs> That's being generous, but yes. Right. This came out in 1994. It had actually been shot in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for the gap actually wasn't like, oh my God, this is a disaster. Let's put it on a shelf and mm-hmm. it's like think we about need, what we, we need more do. of Chris Elliott. The reason Clifford sat on the shelf for three years was because Orion Pictures, which had produced it, was undergoing a bankruptcy. Yeah, they kind of pulled a United Artists around the same. Which is interesting yeah. because they were founded by um, executive refugees from United Artists. Um, and yeah, they keep trying to make people, art. Well, one of those people was uh, Mike Metavoy, and he also co-founded Orion. Mm-hmm. And in his memoir... He says, Orion championed films that the other studios rejected. Throughout the 80s, a time when movies needed to be sold on the basis of one line of high-concept advertising copy, we backed a string of thought-provoking films, including Platoon and Amadeus and Clifford. Uh, he doesn't say Clifford. I just... Um, yeah, I, I believe it's implied. I added it because I did, I did, a, find, I did a search in his, for, in his memoir, and there is no mention of Clifford. That's a shame because, I mean, if only he had said that, like, maybe uh, may- maybe it-, it would have a wider audience, the audience it deserved. Apparently, at the time when they were, uh, I guess they had put together a, a, a work print and were screening it for the execs, Metavoy reportedly said, this is going to make $100 million. Right. Yeah. Maybe uh, Maybe it's like a tax write-off. Or something, or like reported as loss. Yeah, and it's possible that it was that belief in the high concept film of the '90s, right? Where it's like it's a boy, it's a grown man playing a little boy. It can't lose. It's so simple, right? Except and it did. Yeah, and and that is, 
I mean, in my experience, I can, you know, I can really only speak to my experience is that I didn't see it because I was disappointed that I'm like, it, it doesn't sound like a faithful adaptation of those red dog books. But <laughs> I, <laughs> but the thought of Martin Short playing a 10 year old and no, and everyone just rolling with it. That does sound like a funny high concept because I want to see a, a diminutive comedic actor just being a kid. I'd, right. I'm not happy with the results, but apparently I'm in the, the minority. Well, at least among cult fans. I mean, I'm definitely on the same wavelength of the theater going public, who I think were were after something else. They were after a, I think, a conventionally funny movie with like a plot and a story and characters, the sort of things you go to movies to see. Yeah, well, this came out in theaters and basically died a death and really only found its audience on cable TV and VHS or, or DVD or whatever. Home and media, yes. Yeah, and the reason I specifically called out Cabin Boy is because Cabin Boy was one of those movies which, because it was regarded as such a stinker at the time, the mass opinion of it kind of trickles down your consciousness and you're like, oh, this movie is bad. Okay, yeah, like, um, it's in Roger Ebert's book. I hated, hated, hated this movie or whatever. Yeah, the customer is um, always right, you know, just, just right, go with the, the wisdom of crowds. Sure, but... Sometimes you catch one of those and you're like, oh, wait, everyone is completely wrong. And that's a huge reason why we do this show. We cover a lot of movies where the critical and cultural opinion was was off. Like, they just weren't ready for it. And I think that was the case with this one. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, five stars. Nicholas Cage <laughs> is right. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I did get some laughs out of it. It's just that, um, I mean, I probably laughed more at Cabin Boy, but it was the same thing with Cabin Boy where it was like, everyone has spent years telling you how much this movie sucks and then you see it and you're like, that's, that's fine. I mean, it's stupid. But Yeah, yeah. you're like, this movie is like crappy, but it's not bad. Like, it's like yeah. I think it's funny. Like, it's, it's a crummy movie that I find hilarious. And I think really, yeah. well, the question is like, which side do you fall on um, in terms of, uh, I guess, your your perspective on Clifford? Because if you're part of the you know, theater going public, you know, like like I was getting to earlier, and you know, in that article that you mentioned, there are like when they go to test screenings, people are just like, "I hate this movie." Like, who the fuck do you think you are? And I would I would hope that Clifford died at the end. And I mean. And that is, there's people on a particular wavelength of what they're going to see the movie for. And if they're going to see it as like, as a movie, just as a generic movie doesn't, I don't give a shit who's in it. I don't know who Martin Short is. I don't care. I want to see something funny where it's like, it's a mean little kid doing stuff. But then they watch Mm -hmm. it and they're like, well, this is no problem, child. This is <laughs> that really the the high watermark of right exactly child yeah this is this is kid is nowhere near as charming as Dennis the Menace um, and um, problem the existence of problem child is the whole reason that Martin Short had the title role because this started out as a script about a horrible child that would right. be played by a child but problem child was made you know, a decent amount of money. I mean, it had like what, like two sequels at least. 
at least yeah i mean that's yeah. straight to video at any at any rate yeah so the thought of the filmmakers was well why not do something just out of left field and that is why they cast martin short who was about 40 at the time as a 10 year old boy mm-hmm. yeah and th- this is the high concept sort of hat on a hat where it's like it isn't just uh, you know it, it really is yeah because the idea is it's the bad seed but a comedy which is already yes high concept because you're like oh it's an evil kid but you know it's funny but then on top of that we aren't just having an evil little kid we're having an evil we're having an adult as the evil kid so i think that's yes. the point where or at least the way that they seem to approach it as like that's where you lose the audience which is funny because I'm I'm on board with that. I'm like, I want to see an adult play a child and see, like, how far they can take it. Like, how how much can you make me buy into this ridiculous premise of... And as it turns out, quite a bit. But... Um, right. Well, for some... Going back to Martin Short, the second reason why we're talking about this film is because a couple or three weeks ago, and... Oh, the discourse. Lord forgive me... Lord forgive me for referring to Slate, which, as we all know, rhymes with bait. Right. But they published a piece called Why We Keep Putting Up with Martin Short, and a bunch of people got, like, super mad about it on social media. So, you know, hey, good job, Slate. Still still doing your thing after all these years. And I read the piece, and I don't have an outstandingly strong opinion about Martin Short. I mean, I've been aware of him since I was a child because, you know, like, how many times have I seen Three Amigos? Yeah, I know Ed Grimley. I know Three Amigos. Um, and it's great to see him again in Only Mirrors in the Building. Uh, the, uh, episode three come this fall on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. So He's definitely in a career upswing right now. So I read the piece and I was just like, like, I read this expecting it to be some kind of like assassination. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. the way people were reacting that it was going to be like, oh, Martin Short sucks and he should kill himself or something. Yeah, it's like, what's with this guy? Ugh. And the most the most pointed that he gets is, uh, he says, I know that I'm not the only one who finds Ed Grimley, who finds, indeed, nearly all of the over-the-top characters that Martin Short has played in his long career unbelievably annoying. And I'm like... I can see that because he does play incredibly annoying characters. Right. Like yeah, that's true. He's not he's not wrong. And you know, you, you can read this piece and be like, eh, you know, I like the guy, but whatever. But uh people reacted like he had gone on social media and said he was going to kill Martin Short's pets. Mm-hmm. But that is the point that I'm that I'm making about the audience's approach to the movie. Like either you're going there just as Joe Public being like, I want to see a funny movie about a, a kid terrorizing grownups. And then there's the other audience, which is like, what the hell is Martin Short doing playing a 10-year-old? And that yeah, that and- is the audience that resonates, that this movie resonates with. Those, the Slate article is, is Camp A. Like, he's the public being like, why do we put up with this actor? Like, all his comedic roles are just these annoying man-children. And then there are other people being like, oh my God, Martin's doing the annoying man-child bit. This is awesome. 
Like, he's so irritating. I'm here for it. Yeah, like, if you look at, like, an Ed Grimley sketch, I looked at some of the sketches that were linked in the article, one of which was an Ed Grimley sketch, and Mm -hmm. I was like, I watched, like, it was like a six-minute sketch. I think I watched, like, three minutes, and I was like, yeah, I remember Ed Grimley. The one that Mm -hmm. I did laugh at was, um, and I think it was from SNL, it was the synchronized swimming sketch, and I don't even remember the name of the character that Martin Short plays. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's not a very strong swimmer. Morris doesn't swim. Yeah. It's just like a guy who kind of can't do stuff. Yeah. And uh, he has like a synchronized swimming act with um, Harry Shearer and, you know, Martin Short, meanwhile, is in like the inflatable vest and, you know, he's got his little swim Like his water wings, yeah, and like the nose Swim goggles. And then then you have uh, Christopher Guest in the sketch playing like a sort of proto Corky St. Clair. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I'm sold, right? And Right. It's so... It's so odd because, you know, this is SNL. SNL sketches are always like a very hit or miss. (laughs) Like, they can really drag. You don't say. And it's like, okay, so the bit is that they're synchronized swimmers. Mm -hmm. That's funny, I guess. But just Martin Short being interviewed by, you know, in this like pseudo documentary format and just being a weird guy. Who says weird things like I was cackling yeah because he's he's the sort of like he's so uh you know no no pun intended in over his head <laughs> as the synchronized swimmer where it's like you have no business being here what are you doing right but he, he plays it with just like such tenacity where like he he isn't good at doing this but he's gonna keep trying and you're like well okay you know you do you and he made that into a whole recurring character which is what people do on snl <laughs> you get a recurring right. character and then you just beat it into the ground yeah that's how you know you've won at, at saturday night live when you have a catchphrase that like people mangle at, at the water cooler the next day mm-hmm. gumby damn it etc right yeah uh not just that character but yeah speaking of snl like i i don't even remember the name of the character but he just had this one like really um oh it wasn't lovis's pathological liar although that's another thing where it's just like yeah, that's the ticket. See, there's your catchphrase. Fucking SNL. <laughs> but it was, um, this guy is always like, just like this, this sweating, like, you know, he's got like the flop sweats. And I just remember one where it's like the interviewer, and it was probably Christopher Guest being like, why are you being so defensive? He's like, I'm not being, I'm not defensive. I'm not being defensive. You're the one who's being defensive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing that's, that's funny about these characters is that they aren't like, they aren't just a, a just a normal wacky character. They're just they're just weird, and deeply weird. Yeah, and that I think that Martin Short is playing outside what you're expecting of just like a weird character to be. It goes that much further, and going that much further, you're gonna lose some people. And I think that that's just what happens. But you see that, and I I hate doing this because I know I repeat myself on this dumb show a lot. But I know that I've said that that thing that I heard once before about, you know, how do you make an audience laugh? And that is you, you dress up an actor like an old woman and you have them pretend to fall down a flight of stairs. How do you make a room full of writers laugh? You push an old woman down a flight of stairs. And it's that thing because it's like it is going like so much further and weirder. And you see a lot of that in comedians talking about other comedians work where 
in the in that article you sent where it is it isn't just Martin Short pathologically playing desperate annoying characters because you know for whatever reason like he he gravitates to that or he responds to it or he just enjoys it the thing that I didn't even know is that Charles Grodin who in any role is just a guy who's just over it he just had enough of of your shit and doesn't want to like he doesn't want to deal with it that is all an act that is all a character anyone who's worked with him says Charles Grodin is great you know warm and kind and giving but he thinks it's hilarious to play characters who are just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing this. This is this is a stupid, terrible idea, and you're an awful person, and I really couldn't be bothered. And he thinks that's funny, but you're like, if you're a normal person, you're like, what's funny about that? And be like, well, ask Chuck. Like, he gets it. He's doing it to entertain himself. So basically, you've been doing a Charles Grodin bit your entire life, but sincerely. Uh, I mean... I I would just say I'm deeply in character, and if you you know paid attention, maybe you might know something. Let's <laughs> see. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the the point that a lot of people I think get lost in this. In that you can do a character that normal people in the audience are like, well, I just don't like this kid, and you know maybe Martin Short is going to be like, yeah, that's the joke. That it's he's an awful person, and you should feel uncomfortable being around him. And you're like. Yeah, but I just want the character to to die. Like I, I'm wishing death upon a child from your movie. I hate this movie, and I'm sure the people involved are like, "Yeah, is that hilarious?" So it's it's being on like just a different wavelength of what you're expecting out of your comedy. And I think that since a lot of comedians feel this way, it's, it has to be a comedy thing. I mean, I I didn't like the movie Clifford. I think Martin Short is funny, but I hate this movie. I think that 1994 audiences were not ready for this. It's possible because, I mean, yeah, what is it riffing on? It is is comedians being like, I think this goofy thing is really making me laugh because it's so strange. But yeah, if you put it in front of the audience, it'll be like, I don't know what to make of this. Well, I think that in the 90s, um, audiences were less willing to go along with truly bizarre tasteless uh, premises mm-hmm. you know in kind of like the pre pre south park pre adult swim yeah i mean this, era. this was no tom green right you know, like the there was like there was a certain amount of bad taste that people would put up with i don't know like going back to snl like dan Aykroyd playing julia child like cutting herself and right, bleeding yeah. out yeah or which the is Bass-O-Matic. probably yeah, like that's that's really pushing it. And there were enough people in the audience in 1994 who was when confronted by an adult man playing a boy are just like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, it isn't just like, uh, you know, it didn't work for me. It's like, what the fuck? Right. Not I even mean, being um, like bemused, but, but being mad about it. Like, why did you do right. this? And the way that people talked about this movie at least in the, you know, we'll say the media, mm-hmm. um, it was like, it, it came across as a disaster like Battlefield Earth, like on a scale like that, which is why when I watched it and found that it was like fine and like I laughed a few times, it was just like, oh, this is what everybody was like so mad about. 
And I'm saying that as someone who is not like part of the Martin Short Stan crew, even mm-hmm. though I have nothing against him. Like he does make me laugh sometimes. Um, I do remember him on an episode of Law and Order SVU playing a playing a, a self-professed psychic, mm-hmm. like trying to insert himself into an investigation. And I remember watching that episode and just being like, wow, he is so fucking good. Like, I am really creeped out by this character. And the way it goes from like, oh, you know, this is kind of a just an eccentric guy who maybe is a little overbearing to like, oh, no, there's something like wrong with this person. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that maybe most people just get lost in the, hey, I'm just doing a bit. I'm just doing a character. Because that's Mm -hmm. the thing, too. Like, Steve Martin's been doing a character for what, like, 40 plus years that is the like um arrogant comic who's not very good (laughs) like that that's pretty much been his thing but the irony is that you actually have to be a really good comic in order to sell that and so it's kind of the same thing with martin short where he's like i'm going to play this like i guess desperate theater kid because he he gets that character he knows how to you know he knows how to to make it move the way he wants but like you have to be like you also have to be a consummate performer to pull that off. So it isn't just that he is I I, I don't know desperate or um cloying or or what have you, but he's like I've decided to play this character and and this is what he's like. It's you know the same thing with Charles Grodin being like I think it's funny to just be someone who's who's had it with you. Yeah, and here's there was a quote from Steve Martin in a retrospective in Vulture on uh, the movie Clifford, in which they mm-hmm. went back and talked to a lot of the cast and filmmakers and fans of the movie. Um, and they did quote Steve Martin, who is billed as comedy legend and Martin Short frenemy. Yeah, their, uh, this, <laughs> their like, cutting banter is great when the two of them work together. Yeah, which is a huge part of why Only Murders in the Building is like such a fun show. Yeah, given, but, given uh, Three Amigas, I wonder why they didn't invite Chevy Chase. <laughs> we all know why they didn't invite Chevy Chase. <laughs> Chevy is Everyone not acting. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you uh, go ask Dan Harmon why they didn't invite Chevy Chase? <laughs> um, and the quote from Steve Martin is, "I can give you a quote about Clifford if you want. Ready? Here it is. I've heard of it." <laughs> Again, yeah. That that like, <laughs> just uh, I, I I don't know how you'd even describe that. Um, Savage. Yeah, not not damning with faint praise, but like, um, condescending, I suppose. Yeah, that sure was a movie. Yeah, and that's that's Steve Martin being like, you are nowhere near, like you you are not even remotely on my level. Now let me put an arrow through my head. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tim, let's get small. Let's get real small. <laughs> Let's just finish out the show with quotes from much funnier people. That's that is so much easier than like trying to hone my craft and find my own comedic voice. I'm like just yeah, gonna say that. I'm gonna say things that other people already know are funny and be like, "Hey, I'm funny too." This is now the Family Guy recapping hour. <laughs> We're gonna start with season one, episode one. Yeah. How's your Peter Griffin impression? Oh, uh, I'm as good as any other white guy, basically. Maybe it's as good as any other white guy. <laughs> 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 right. Uh, 
something something Stewie. Uh, you want to hear my Christopher Walken? Brian, etc. Right, yeah, Lois. it goes on like that. I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not surprised to hear that you hate this movie. I mm-hmm. was preparing for that. But well, I'm you not... can be of two minds about it. And I think that sure. just getting to what those what drives those minds is is the reason that people pay so much money to listen to the show. Hundreds of dollars. Right, yeah. Thousands. I, I, I quit my second job because of this. You weren't even doing your first job. Right, yeah. So they they haven't they don't know yet. You're like, I might as well quit then. Yeah, I'm I'm um, quite quitting. So <laughs> you in the news box. Quite so Clifford. Uh Clifford from nineteen ninety four. Uh beloved comedy to many. Yeah. Which I get because Lord knows I like my share of dumb shit. Some of which I've talked about on this very show. You were, were you going anywhere with that? Uh I thought you were gonna chime in, but I mean I can see this is this is this is why we're not Steve Martin and Martin Short, everyone. <laughs> Steve Martin Short. They can just combine them into like an AI chat bot. <laughs> they just form like Voltron. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Something for everyone. Where does Selena Gomez fit in? Is she the pilot? Uh, yes. Selena, get in the Steve Martin short. Get into Steve Martin's shorts. You have to pilot the Steve Martin short. You have to. You have to sit in the giant robot. You have to sit. You have to sit in the robot. Right. That was the. the That's thing what that those was, shows are about. Sitting in the that robot. That was the crucial, yeah, driving narrative of Robotech was that they would have these giant robots. Robotech was about people sitting in robots. And yeah, the characters would sit in them. Yeah. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's a show about sitting in robots. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? No. Just just hanging out in the robot. Yeah. Shinji, get in the fucking Ava. Right. Uh, you stupid little shit. Yeah. So who is more who is more loathed? Uh Shinji, Ikari, or Clifford? That is the question. Oh, that's that <laughs> the most uh, let's start a list of most loathed boy characters. Let's post a poll on Twitter and then we can see how many blue check Nazi uh bots we can get responding to it. Sweet. I'm definitely not at all sick of seeing happy merchant memes. The uh and speaking of uh numbskull um basement dwellers who don't get comedy, um or don't understand art, like you can go on and see people flipping about uh what, Duchamp on uh Twitter. Like that's reading that article about comedians just like and you know film cultists singing the praises of this awful movie i'm like am i the chud in this example like you're starting to feel you know to to put in the the online parlance like are they gaslighting me are they being like oh no this movie is hilarious like i don't think it's funny why do you think it's funny but i'm flashing back to the our wet hot american summer episode right no no i mean that movie isn't funny like don't get me wrong wrong i (laughs) wrong okay well if they had put some jokes in it, maybe I would have felt differently. Well, you and the two or three other people who feel that way can have a little party about it. But for right. now, we're talking about Clifford, well, another I, movie you hated. Right. I wouldn't say I hate it. I mean, I mean, like, I I did wish for the death of a child towards the end of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. I think that, like, the problem is that I... Well, the, the, the problem is the disconnect between the intent of the filmmakers and the um, expectations of the audience. Which I, I, I don't know if I can define it more broadly than that. Explain. No, it, it is that the audience is 
if I'm going in there, I'm I'm there to see like the story, and I'm there to see what happens. And this kid is awful and hateful. And you're like, this kid really sucks. I want to. I think that in a just world, he should get his comeuppance. But no, he's just a shitty child because yeah. Martin Short just enjoys playing this awful child so much. And Charles Grodin is really good at playing off him as this beleaguered, seething adult. And the movie just kind of keeps doing that. And if you're there to see that, you think this movie's great. But if you're like, I want to see a normal movie that's funny, then they're like, oh, oh, we didn't we didn't set out to make that movie. We met we made a movie that we thought was hilarious instead. Sorry, sorry you didn't realize that. Sorry you didn't notice that our movie is funny, you dumb public theater going audience. And so I I hear that from comedians like people who understand comedy and are, you know, comedy professionals. And I'm like, well, what am I not getting? Like, what do I not see here? Like, I feel like I'm looking at, you know, Duchamp's urinal and being like, this is an art. The whole thing with Clifford is that just straight up some things are going to be hilarious to one person and just like anti-humor to another. And this might be a case, a less extreme case, but maybe they could go in the same bucket. Um, a, something similar to, for example, something we've talked about twice on the show, Nothing But Trouble, where mm-hmm. it is obvious that Dan Aykroyd thought that shit was so funny. Yeah, they're not phoning it in, whatever the hell it is they're doing. Yeah, like there, there is great brio and passion put into Nothing But Trouble. And while Clifford is definitely like a simpler production on the surface, there was quite a bit of trickery and tomfoolery that went into it. First of all, kind of doing a Darby O'Gill and the Little People thing, sort of, with mm-hmm. Martin Short to make him appear as boy-like as possible. There was obviously effort put into the, uh, the Dinosaur World ride at the end. Yeah, it's and it is intense, but I mean, to what end? And I appreciated that. I was like, no, yeah, that's a very good, that's a very good evocation of, like, that kind of ride. It is Chekhov's dinosaur. (laughs) Stefan. Yeah, because if you're there, like, to accompany this character on their journey, if you're there, like, I want to hang out with Martin Short and see him be this irritating character, then at the end, you're like, yeah, finally, the protagonist gets what he wants. He gets to go, he gets to go to Dinosaur World and all these pesky adults that have stood in his way by trying to like maintain their uh, careers and relationships and other dumb bullshit, you know, have finally uh, fallen by the wayside and gotten, and he's gotten what he wanted. There's got to be people out there who are like actually on board with Clifford the whole time. Where they actually like want him to succeed? That can't be possible because he is a psychopath. But like he is every like yeah. um every just like immediate instant gratification of a child that just like ratcheted up to eleven. Well, and it, and it isn't even just that he's um impulsive and just like seeking pleasure to the to the exclusion of all else. It's also the fact that he's incredibly manipulative and harmful and one thing that did get a big laugh out of me right up front Mm -hmm. was when we're introduced to clifford who is on a plane with his parents heading to hawaii and when you you take one look at his parents and you're like oh okay 
Yeah, it's it's one of those children because uh, the the father is ready to snap. That's Richard Kind mm-hmm. playing the dad. Good old Richard and, uh, Kind. Just, and uh, Jessica Savage is his mom, who is just a drunk. <laughs> like she's she's like obviously, yeah, and that's a funny choice. Yeah, like obviously drinking to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, she is really. Both of these people are on their their last nerve. Yeah, because you've just met this kid and you hate him. Yeah, and then it isn't it isn't just that the kid is overly enthusiastic and grating. Then he starts mocking his father, saying that he's going to have a stroke. Mm-hmm. And as if that weren't enough, he starts like pulling a face to be like, yeah, oh, making like the stroke face, yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this is fucking kid. This is probably the most child-free movie that we've reviewed. Oh yeah, it really is. <laughs> because this, like, is, yeah, this is how they describe it. They'd be like, see, see, I told you. Because throughout the entire movie, like. If, if they wanted to play it a different way, the thing of it is, like, at no point can you, like, hit Clifford. You can't, like, yes. arrest him. You can't abandon him. You're like, this is my flesh and blood, and I'm responsible for this little miserable shit that I would love to strangle. Not apparent myself. It's, it's yeah. still palpable. It's like the lady, the lady in the airport who scolds Richard Kind for yelling at his son. You know, causing him to explode on her, which is extremely mean and uncalled for, but also very fucking funny. <laughs> right. Because if you met this kid, you're like, yeah, this kid sucks. But he's afforded this sort of like leeway where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it, this movie would have been five minutes long if like, you know, it were, I don't know, the 30s or something. And Richard Kind just like backhanded Clifford until he started crying. And then that was the end of the movie. If uh, Clifford had ended up as the boy in the box. The boy in the box? Boy in the box was a famous true crime case, I think, stretching back to like the 40s or 50s of uh, a dead child found in a box by the side of the road. And I think they only identified the victim uh, a couple of years ago via DNA. Oh, and it was, so it was just him and like a plastic dinosaur? They're just like this fucking kid. I cannot. I cannot with this child anymore. Everybody heard the identity of the kid. And they're like, "Oh, that kid. Yeah, that kid sucked. Oh, he, yeah, he deserved it." <laughs> I mean, I know you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but uh, yeah, fuck that. Man, kid. that kid sucked. Oh yeah. <laughs> this reminds me when we talked about uh, Wood Chipper Massacre, and you're just like, <laughs> "Man, this fucking kid is." <laughs> yeah, that's like. Uh, IRL Clifford like it's just yeah it's just such an irritating kid and like and I know you're just like this you know wormy little theater kid but yeah you, you get on my nerves <laughs> my doll don't like you you know I feel like go 10 years in the future like if mm-hmm. you'd made this movie in 2004 yeah you could have cast this movie with a child mm-hmm. and you could have made the kid be just a real piece of shit and the Groden the, whoever took the Groden role could just be incredibly hateful to this child. And people would have been, again, post-South Park, people would have been on board with it. And maybe even if it had been, like, a grown man playing a little boy who was also just a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But, again, 1994, people weren't ready for this. They weren't. Well, I mean, no one did anything to, to Clifford about it. So, about just, like, the way he is. Yeah. And... It does clang a little bit that they've written in these, they've 
written these bookends for the movie, which are kind of like a redemption arc for Clifford. Right. Those those felt unnecessary to me. But yeah. I mean, given how poorly the movie was testing, they had to they had to try something. I guess it's uh and uh interestingly that um those bookends include uh not only a very young Ben Savage, the uncancelled Savage, um, as of this recording. Uh, there's also a small role for uh, a young, I forget his real name, a young shifty shellshock of Crazy Town. I have no idea who that is. Do you remember that song, Butterfly? No. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady. It's very stupid. Okay. That was no, Crazy it's, Town. It's a shame I missed out on that. Uh, Not really, no. I mean, it was no informer by Snow, but... Oh, man. If only... Yes. Licky boom boom down. <laughs> oh, 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 I I know that because of Mystery Science Theater. So no big red dog. That that was the reason I never watched it. Although at the time, I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have been a cult fan of that if if only they had gotten the name right. Mm. <laughs> Were you really a big fan of Clifford the Big Red Dog? It's the only Clifford I know in pop culture, with the exception of maybe Cliff Clavin. Okay, because um, I I I feel like if even if you had been the right age for Clifford the Big Red Dog, you've been like, what the fuck is this shit? Well, like, that I got was, Robotech. That was my, I got G.I. Joe. That was my problem with it. I'm like, they didn't even show the dog in the trailer. Are they just, like, taking a minor character from, like, the book, and then they're making it about him? And then the dog <laughs> is just, like, you know, perfunctory to the story? No, well, apparently, like, many years later, they did make a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Yeah, but by so. then I had aged out of it, and so, I, I don't know, just, uh... <laughs> Uh, wrong place, wrong time. It's rough. Were you like you were like seventeen or something in nineteen ninety four? I wish. Uh, yeah. but yeah, that was that was my only point of reference, and that's the only reason I didn't see it. Not not that it's interesting. No one cares. Yeah, and this was back when you were seeing movies, because you know you did go see Wagons East or whatever. Oh yeah, I mean that was that would have been later than that though. I guess so. Yeah, I think that had Richard I Lewis in it. I don't know off the top of my head when Wagons East came out. That, that oh, well, it was before 9-11. I know that. <laughs> Just the fact that I know about it is <laughs> hilarious, but whatever. Yeah, that's from that's the uh, the uh, burden of knowing me. Yeah, well, it can't be helped. But you right. know what can be helped, Tim? What is that? Is uh, the fact that I'm getting a little bit thirsty. Okay. Well, yeah, normally when you're doing these shows, you have a big glass of rocks that you clink directly into the mic yes while you sort legos directly into the mic if you'd like me to stop doing that perhaps i can follow your example you know what tim i'm actually glad that you brought up the ice because when it comes to adding things to your water Mm -hmm. we got something that's pretty good it's called liquid iv okay and it's the number one powdered hydration brand in america their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Use it first thing in the morning before a workout when you feel run down in the afternoon, after night with friends, or on long flights. Or if you're recording a fucking podcast. Yeah, and you just get dry mouth. I mean, I can't be expected to drink water all day. I got places to be. I have bottomlessly terrible movies to watch. And with all the sobbing that I do afterwards, I become quite dehydrated. That's true. What better way to rehydrate with just not not just the boring, awful problem child glass of water? <laughs> you want you want the kicked up one. You want the Clifford 
version of water, and that is with Liquid IV. Liquid IV comes in all kinds of flavors, like strawberry lemonade. Uh, one that I like very much, pina colada. Do you like getting caught in the rain as well? <laughs> uh, no, and I don't like making love on the dunes of the Cape, but I do like liquid IV because honestly, I have been trying to hydrate more lately and I like how hydration these days is now like this baton death march of water drinking where it's like, no, you got to get the big plastic you jug. You must consume two gallons of water per day. Yes, and you have to be pissing completely clear by 3 p.m. or you're not doing it right. And I'm like, oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, you're going to die soon. Yeah, but there's an easier way to do it. One stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. You know what I like? I like pina coladas, and I like vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. <gasps> Those are some of my favorite vitamins. Yeah, well, and by vitamin C, I meant the uh, ginger wrapper. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow, she's in liquid IV? I don't think she's in much of anything. It was just kind of a, hey... I'm a redhead. That was good enough for you, though. Yeah, that is good enough. That I'm telling you. But is it as good as liquid IV? Apples and carrots. Apples and oranges. Apples and gingers. God damn it. <laughs> Apples and oranges. Well, Tim, we got something special, not just for you, but for the rest of the audience. Our audience of real people. Real flavor. Real hydrating. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code H-Y-S-T-P-O-D. That's H-Y-S-T-P-O-D at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using promo code H-Y-S-T-P-O-D. Vitamin C music. At liquidiv.com. And go to YouTube and find more hits by Vitamin C the Musician. <laughs> liquidiv.com. Don't touch those Legos, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll just have my fruit bar instead. <laughs> you, know, you know, you don't need to use my audio when I'm not talking. Tim, it's just bants. Okay. It's just bants, bro. Well, I want to do a good show. I don't know why it's important now. <laughs> I didn't know you cared. Yeah, of course I care. That's why I'm so upset all the time. But you know what? It's um, my character. Now that we're now that we're hydrated, thanks to liquid IV. Mm -hmm. Hang on, I gotta go pee. <laughs> You're gonna be pissing sea berry. I have the sweetest pee, and it is only because I'm a diabetic. <laughs> uh, excuse you, pre-diabetic. All right, hey, you know, pre-post-diabetic, whatever. He's working on, on it, on the folks. spectrum. Yeah. But anyway, Clifford. Yeah. Did we talk about the plot at all? I don't think we did. Why Why bother? It's an annoying kid who wastes everyone's time and then he gets to see the dinosaur at the end. It is, Martin Short does a bunch of grating shit for 90 minutes. It is funny because, you know, everyone got so mad at that Slate article that I mentioned. And if the mm -hmm. first thing that you watch with Martin Short in it after reading the article is Clifford, mm -hmm. you think like, you know what, maybe this fucking slate troll had a point <laughs> <laughs> and the well, whole time you're watching you're like okay yes that's the point the point is that this kid mm -hmm. this kid should make you homicidally angry and that is part of well, the appeal because yeah for me like martin short is not the star attraction even though 
technically he is. He's right in the title. For me, it's really about Charles Grodin because I laughed so hard at the tiniest things that Charles Grodin was doing, even if it was just like his eyes darting to his boss's hairline. Right. Yeah, that's good. Like, I'm, I'm like, how do you like move your eyes in a funny way just <laughs> in like a couple of seconds? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so funny. Or the moment when you see his affection for Clifford just curdling. Mm hmm. And then just turning into just pure unhinged hatred. Yeah, and I have to go with the jazz comparison again, which I, I know I've tried it out before, but it's like if you just take something where it's like, yeah, I like music. I listen to, you know, vitamin C. I, you know, I like all kinds. And if you take him to a jazz club, and where you're like, oh, this guy's really good. Like, this is the guy. Like, this is, you know, like, hey, you seen that movie Whiplash? Like, you know, he's that good a drummer. He's that good on, you know, a fucking trombone. I don't know. <laughs> but then you, you sit him down and you're like, how long does the set go on? Like, it's fine. But, like, to someone who's a fan of it, it's like, you do you not understand, like, what is happening on stage. And I think most people just don't. Like, I'm, I'm here to see a movie about an annoying kid, but it's the people who are, like, in comedy. They're like, oh, he's doing the this and that. No, what, like, the way that the two of them are, like, improvising this whole scene. Like, like what you're saying about, like, Charles Grodin, where he's giving all these, like, really subtle performances where it's, like, when the guy is seething mad, like, he, isn't, he doesn't, like, blow up. He gets, like, quieter. <laughs> and so it's these are all choices that, you know, someone who takes their craft seriously is is making in order to deliver a certain kind of performance. And I think that like, if you're there to pick up on it, then you see the movie and you're like, Oh, this is great. I really appreciate what they're doing. But if you're there because you're like, I want to see a comedy and this one has Martin short in it, it's going completely over your head. And I think that's why audiences are like that. You know, it's just these sort of like, you know, seething mass of, uh, of moviegoers being like, why isn't your comedy funny? <laughs> like, where are the jokes? What the fuck? That guy's like 45 years old. It doesn't yeah, even make but, any know, sense. You know, um, yeah, recently, but, you know, hey, listen to the jokes he's not telling, man. A few weeks ago, there was a video of uh, Thelonious Monk at like a jazz festival. And mm -hmm. I can't, not being, uh, musically trained i can't really describe what he was doing but you know he's taking a solo and he's playing notes which to the unsophisticated ear were slightly jarring like they were quote-unquote like wrong notes but played mm -hmm. in such a way that even a dumbass like me knows that oh he's like he's doing something he's doing a, a he's bit, doing yeah. something different and i don't i'm not a jazz aficionado, but I was like, oh no, like, you know, I, you know, I get it. He's playing like a... I see what he's going for. He's, he's, he's playing like a different kind of, of solo, but there were just dozens of replies were just like, well, this sounds really bad. This sucks. It sounds bad. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. I guess, uh, like the hundreds of thousands of people who enjoyed Thelonious Monk's music and artistry were just wrong and you guy on twitter with a blue check definitely know what is good music and bad yeah you're a, you're a guy on the internet with a hot take let's listen to you oh shit i think i just undermine our podcast uh-oh 
And we just blinked Uh-oh. out of existence. But <laughs> And Tim disappears in a cloud of logic. And a lot of what people were calling out in the, um, you know, for example, the the vulture oral history of the making of Clifford. Like, they actually talked to Nicolas Cage. And um, he was one of the people saying, like, you know, it's really just about those scenes with Charles Grodin and Martin Short, like, playing off each other. And in fact, mm-hmm. Grodin did improvise quite a bit in those scenes. I think one of the most quoted lines where he's like, just look at me like a human boy. That was something that he came up with on the spot. Yeah, which is the quintessence of Clifford. It sort of is because the line is extremely funny and then there's a cut to Martin Short kind of milking the close-up, like doing that Mm -hmm. weird Clifford face. And it's kind of like... Being a not normal kid. Yeah, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, All right. That Okay. Please stop now. Please cut away to anything else. <laughs> and um, I remember no. pretty recently there were ads on, I don't know if they've, these have been on in a while, but there were ads on Pluto TV advertising Clifford. And uh, the, the big red dog. Oh, Christ, Tim, shut up about the fucking what? dog. <laughs> it's the only point of cultural reference that I know. Apparently. Yeah. The <laughs> he's a dog and he's big dog. Um, what else? What else do I have to say? Well, I'm glad you like the doggy so much, Tim. Mm. Yeah, if you like dogs so much, why don't you enslave one? <laughs> Is that what I did to Reggie? Yes. Oh, yeah, because he works so hard. I mean, uh, he didn't really have a choice in the matter. <laughs> every Every day you find a new way to troll me, Tim. It's... It's really something. It's all part of my act. On Pluto TV, the scene that they showed from the movie was him visiting the cockpit and then getting the idea that he was going to like force an emergency landing on the plane. Mm-hmm. And it's a particular look that he does when Clifford has just thought of something just like extra psychotic that he can do. Like something mm-hmm. that will really hurt a lot of people around him. And yeah. I admit, like, in the ads, I was like, okay, that's actually funny. Like, because you're like, ah, you know, something fucked up is going to happen to that plane. Yeah, something wacky is going to happen. But I found that as he repeated it through the movie, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you aren't uncomfortable enough. I guess not. Yeah. But it's, it, is, it is that weird space where you're like, where you really are like, yes, I understand. I understand the premise. I just don't, I'm just not exactly laughing my ass off here, except when Charles Grodin is on screen. Okay, so you're more of a Grodin stan. I guess, I don't know. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even a Grodin stan. It's just that, like, what else, what else have I seen him in recently? Ishtar? All right, well, you also like Ishtar. I mean. I liked it more than you did. Let's put it that way. Okay, I mean, that's low praise, but. You know, I have this working theory, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like, maybe, like, I think it, it definitely needs more work, but I have this theory that you don't vibe that much with American comedy. That could very well be it. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily grew up on I mean, I watched Saturday Night Live until uh, the point where it just looked like a school play. Sure. And, like, that was pretty much, you know, my touchstone of it, which is why, you know, I understand pop culture stuff, but that's entirely possible. I mean, I do watch a lot of British stuff, and, you know... Red Dwarf is very formative, along with Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, 
I'm a I'm you know your your basic bitch Brit Britcom guy. <laughs> yeah, like it's not it's not like a perfect theory, but that's my theory. Mm-hmm. No, I thought I thought you were gonna go something much worse. Where it's like Tim, I think that you have some brain disorder that makes you like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the expert on brain disorders. That's true. You have uh, really embraced that as a character. Yes, it's a it's a character. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing about being like really uh careful flustered and inarticulate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that for once you're there. You're you're ready. That's great. <laughs> See? And this is what it was like on set and in the screening room watching Clifford. Meanwhile, you know, our our audience of you know that that could fill a uh, I don't know an advanced placement classroom. Uh, what? Yeah, like when what is, I, what's it all about? I guess when those test screening cards were coming back, like you mentioned earlier, uh-huh. um, yeah, you'd get and I believe you pulled that from an anecdote in the the Vulture article where it was like you get a card that said "fuck you" and then you get like two cards later, it'd be like "this is incredible." This is amazing. Yeah, this is this is brilliant and hilarious. Which is, uh, um, like that vulture article is great because it um it makes me want to watch the movie. What what doesn't make me want to watch the movie is the movie and my memory of it. So, yeah, honestly, the movie is um like I didn't like I said because it had been so elaborately built up as like the dumbest piece of shit of all time. Like watching mm-hmm. it was kind of like yeah okay because I've yeah, real ish. I don't know. Movie. A lot of times, I think that's just a me problem because I'm so often out of step with what other people think is good or bad that, like, I almost don't even have a calibration for it anymore. Like for mm-hmm. my friends, I'm pretty good at. I can like I can recommend a movie to someone usually if it's a close friend. Yeah. I don't know what like regular people like. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Who cares what regular people like? Uh, like, that was also in the screening room of Clifford. Yeah, but but that's the thing with this movie is that it's it's like I, you know, I'm like yeah, no, like I, you know, I'm not just writing this off immediately because of the the conceit of yeah. Martin Short playing a child. Yeah, re- regular people are listening to podcasts about movies that are like currently in theaters. We we are not that podcast. We we are not normal folks. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Third base. Right, yeah. Uh, and the other uh, salient point that, you know, Martin Short himself makes is that a lot of these movies that are obscure, you find, like, you, you kind of have, like, an ownership of it because it's, like, no one else wants to, like, um, wants to champion this movie. It's, like, you feel like... It's kind of like you're with your shitty dog. Like, no one else loves this dog. <laughs> And this dog sucks and people have returned it. But you're like, no, this is my dog and I love him. I'm going to take care of him. It's the same way that like, you know, I feel about like Hudson Hawk or Fishmasters. Like Fishmasters was on after Saturday Night Live and it aired in like two markets. But like no one else knows or cares about the show, which is why I love it. And I think what the article is saying or, you know, what Martin Short is saying in, in the article is like, if you found something that is like so obscure and unloved, you're just going to like you know hold that to your chest and like you know just like uh be like 
be be like the super fan for it because it is a movie that like no one else knows about like your parents don't like it it isn't talked about positively in pop culture but you're like no guys like this thing that i found like this thing is mine and i'm gonna i'm gonna make everyone else know how much i love this thing speaking of which if you are a patron at the five dollar level you can join our discord and we have a channel where we talk about the role-playing game traveler which is a 2d6 sci-fi <laughs> outer space adventure that really didn't get any love between i want to say um 1987 and 2006 long story short if you like movies in the show and you know what the acronym ttrpg stands for why not come on over to the discord if that venn diagram is basically a circle well there are they're in the discord right now right yeah and, and that's great yeah it's good talking about uh sharing things that other people don't like that you know are obscure enough that i can see how fans of it became such you know fanatics about it by the way because, reggie's gonna haunt you when he dies well he's how much more of a nuisance could he be at this point really oh you'll find out is he going to die soon have you set a date <laughs> You're like a, <laughs> this is like a, you know, when Richard Kind is yelling at Clifford at LAX mm-hmm. and that lady's, that lady's like, what a terrible thing to say to that sweet child. You know, people will see a picture of Reggie and they'll be like, that's a terrible thing to say about that adorable dog. Yeah. Although you wouldn't get halfway done with that sentence before you just started like barking frantically at you. Yes. Little murder pup. Yeah, yeah, he sucks. I'm going to start calling um, him Clifford. <laughs> Clifford the Little Red Dog. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we've we talked a lot about a different uh, different array of, of comedies that are beloved by comedians, but not the audience at large. Um, Cabin Boy, Dirty Work, Clifford. Reading this article and feeling gaslighted, gaslit about Clifford really it given me an opportunity to reconsider what I think is, you know, good comedy and, and bad, you know, regardless of taste, like what is, what is it that people are bringing to comedy that is, that is new and inventive. And Bob Odenkirk seems to think that they're funny enough to, to put them on air, but I will not go to bat for Tim and Eric, not under any circumstance. Yeah. I'm, so that's where I draw the line. I'm also I'm open-minded about Clifford, but yeah, I'm 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 also much of the same mind as you as about Tim and Eric. It's like, yeah, I I get it. I'm not laughing, but I get it. Right, yeah. Like maybe maybe there's like a Gen Z er that can like send us that Tumblr essay it like <laughs> explaining the joke. You know <laughs> it's like I get the joke. Yeah. Another thing that I saw on social media was I don't even remember the band, but it was a mm-hmm. it was like a multi piece band. With uh, okay, go. They had like a horn section, and mm-hmm. at one point, like the singer and the people in the band like did like a coordinated dance together, with like mm-hmm. very exaggerated facial expressions. And I was like, okay, like there is nothing about this that I like. Like you mm-hmm. couldn't pay me to go to this show. Other people seem to really like okay. it. That's nice for them. Like, I'm not even going to make fun of this stuff because it's like, uh, hey, obviously this is like, this is their shit. Right. I, I just don't get 
what the kids are into anymore. 100 Gex. Oh, is that who it is? I don't know. <laughs> you think I know? <laughs> right. I listen to the Alan Parsons project, Tim. Yeah, how's that project coming along? <laughs> have, are, have they released any of their results yet? The data is very interesting. I have high hopes for... Yes, yes, but in- interesting though it may be, is it statistically significant how interesting it is? I'm not a musician. Uh, I guess w- we we leave it to Alan Parsons and his doing and the important research that he's doing. The Alan Partridge Project. Ha ha! <laughs> See, I'm just just saying what other comedians came up with. And Steve Coogan, like, you can write your own jokes. You know, it's allowed. <laughs> we'll get there someday. I'm sure he's much nicer than that. Not to himself though, because I mean, where do you think that character comes from? Well, yeah. What a twat. Right. To, to put another way, the point that I've, I've been trying to wedge into this episode about, you know, maybe just not getting it because I don't get Clifford. Um, there are fans who do. They know something that I don't, but I can at least appreciate that the people who enjoy it, I think, are are they're they're not so different from normal people like Jen and myself, if I can include you in this. Because, Jen, what do you and I do? We watch terrible movies. We really do. Right. And I, like, I mean, you and I, uh, to, to pull a, uh, an old episode that recently got the Rift Tracks treatment, I think we both highly enjoy Truth or Dare or Critical Madness. That is a delightful movie. That movie is unhinged as all hell. And it's not the only one that we've covered that were like, this movie is garbage and I love it. It's that same thing that Martin Short was talking about. Although maybe he left out the garbage part. But though I may not appreciate Clifford in the way that it's legion of lunatic fans do, I can at least understand that they like it for the same reasons I like the god-awful movies that I love. Yeah, like I bet that not everyone in the Clifford Loving group would also enjoy the movie Things as much as I do. Right, yeah, that which is inexplicable. Yeah, I mean, you do have to be a little bit deranged to like that movie, but hey, all yeah, I can be so, is myself. Yeah, so in the same way that I don't understand, like I, you know, I am in a way, you know, that completely normal person who for whatever reason, you know, donated $5, thank you, to listen to this episode but they're like, I, I'm not on board with what Tim and Jen are talking about. How can they waste their time, you know, watching B-movie TV um, obsessively as they do, watching, all, like, getting all their cinema from Pluto TV and Tubi? Like, what what normal person does that? And be like, well, it takes all kinds. Also, how so. dare you say that the 1973 musical version of Lost Horizon is a bad film? Did I say that? No, I just declined to watch it. No, 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 no. I'm saying that was one of the people who didn't get the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What do they know? Well, yeah. I mean, just reading that comment, I was like, uh, yeah, our show is not for you, sir. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, that guy. But he kept listening. That was nice of him. Same person who I think misgendered me. Well, I mean, it's an easy mistake. I guess so. Yeah, I do have a very masculine. Affect. Terrifier though, woof. Yeah, that yeah, I don't do. get. Like right. I get, <laughs> I get Clifford. I don't get Terrifier. Yeah, you gotta. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. Well, it's it's like I was mentioning on the Discord because I watched X. Oh, the Ty West film. No, the I watched. No, is the website formerly known as Twitter. 
You wouldn't watch that. Come on. Don't right. kid a kid. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's too horrifying. Yeah, but like I watched X and I watched the prequel. Uh, sorry uh, to, to pronounce it as Mike Nelson does. I watched the prequel, <laughs> Midwestern Diction, Pearl, or I guess Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I watched that and then like, I like horror fans are getting something out of this, but I'm I just want to say like horror fans I think would be better served by branching out to perhaps other genres because it you know it, it calls out things and you're like oh I recognize this from like Texas Chainsaw Massacre but I'm like I don't know my my thought of it was if you wanted to watch a movie about I don't know uh, generational suffering like you can watch the right the white ribbon yeah I don't know. Yeah, and that I, is I a know. really good movies. time. Yeah, that's a fun movie. Yeah. I mean, like, if you want a movie that's about a thing, I don't know. Now, there are some people who have said half in jest, but Mm kind of not, that this, that Clifford is actually a horror movie. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Um, well, it's not a kid's movie. I did feel extremely uncomfortable watching it. I just I just felt a uh, uh, pervasive rage yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, like, that's a kind of why, discomfort. Why hasn't Why hasn't he killed this child yet? Yeah. This you know, a uh, young little little person in his care. Why hasn't he like locked him in a basement? I mean, like, you know, I kind of start to understand. I'm like, if you want to make a horror movie out of it, I'm like, oh, that's how these things happen. You know, it's a parent who's just wholly unsuited to taking care of their awful child, and like, yeah, that's that's how. You have, you know, kids tied up in basements and, you know, <laughs> Jesus, pe- <laughs> you know, people who've like have been living under a bed for seven years you know, shit like that. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you know, real comedy material. Yeah. Like reading, uh, reading posts on, uh, r slash am I the asshole and realizing how many people just have profound contempt and loathing for their own children. <laughs> Yeah, not everyone's cut out to be parents. So yeah. if you feel that way, you'll probably enjoy Clifford. I mean, I was, you know, I knew that he wouldn't actually die at the climax of the film on the dinosaur world but ride. I but hoped, you're like, yeah. you're like, God, can he just get like maimed a little bit? <laughs> or maybe like I don't know, have like uh, major like brain damage or something. So like he's just not him anymore. That would be fun. <laughs> you know, to, to have that happen to a kid. That would be a pretty good, like, balls-out ending where he just, um, he's just severely debilitated at the end of the movie and is thus very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Rose Kennedy? <laughs> yeah, Rosemary Kennedy. Although she came out that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why they uh, lobotomized her, is because she was as annoying as Clifford. <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> just speaking through a plastic dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, some someone might say that this, what we're doing right now, isn't funny. And to that I say, Clifford is currently streaming <laughs> on Tubi. <laughs> I'll show you not funny, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah.
Look, Jen, I'm sorry. Fuck about you. That. <laughs>